welcome to the Women Make Science Fiction podcast. I'm Amy Chambers. And I'm Lyle Skeynes. And we're your hosts until they replace us with robots. Or men. Success! Yay! Okay. We did We did a good intro. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about uh, science fiction TV. It's sort of an interlude, as, as, as it were. Uh, because we're on a bit of a pause in in the film viewing until we watch Sea Fever next week. Yeah, we watch Sea Fever on the eighth of July at eight o'clock, and that's in collaboration with the British Society for the History of Sciences Digital History Science Festival. It is a really long title they've gone for there, but we are hosting um, a screening uh, with a tweet along with the women make. SF hashtag, um, but hopefully with a bit more science. Science is good, but there were a lot of words in there, so we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, which, by the way, on a show note, uh, we do we do now have the podcast listed on major networks, so you can subscribe through iTunes and Podbean and Stitcher, and we've tried to get it on Spotify and Pandora, uh, so it should be up there soonish i'm not sure but there's also an rss feed uh for anybody who uses an alternate app yay i don't understand what that meant <laughs> oh you just talking to the mic amy i do it's <laughs> my one job excellent as long as you can do that we're we're all good <laughs> uh so I think the reason that we wanted to talk about TV is that um, a we love TV, and this is mm-hmm. a little, <laughs> a little bit of what my we shows. spend our my stories, my stories, my shows. Um, this is what we spend our time together doing is talking about TV and yeah, and films and pop culture. But this is sort of our our deep and abiding love, um, and they keep taking them away from us. Yeah, I got recently into um, science fiction that's created by women um, and as part of this project realised that I was already watching a couple of shows that were created by women and then in the last couple of weeks we've had two that I recently got into, both cancelled. So that's fun. Uh, So I've lost both Emergence um, with Alison Tolman, who was um, in the first season of Fargo when they adapted that for TV. She played Frank um, Gerhardt, didn't she? In Fargo? Yes, she okay. played, yeah. They gender, they gender switched, didn't they? Well, yeah, they, they no, did. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Yeah. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, and then Vagrant Queen um, got cancelled just a few days ago, and I have rage. It's <laughs> massive rage because. That one was was filling a void created for me by, you know, the loss of Winona Earp. And, you know, there's a Firefly hole that it fills and a Farscape hole that it fills and um, a Killjoys hole. And now it's gone. And that hole. But they announced the cancellation of Vagrant Queen just after they released the trailer for season four of Winona. So it's sort of like almost like tainted my excitement for the return of uh, Winona Earp, which is straight out cowboy fantasy. Yeah. Um, but there's a lovely connection between Vagrant Queen and uh, Winona Earp as they're both Canadian and also both feature um, Tim Rosen um, in two very different 
characters. Really different characters, and but I'm so glad both of them have beards because <laughs> his his face doesn't make sense without one. It doesn't, and I I figured out. I think it's that his lips are the same exact same shade as the rest of his face, and it. I'm makes... with Annie on Shit's Creek. I just look at him and I'm like, no. <laughs> what have you it's, done? It's not right. Why? It, the beard has to be Tim Rosan, you're beautiful uh, beautiful beautiful man but you must have the beard or <laughs> lipstick yes because that that makes it better in a sort of like twilight fashion where they gave him sort of like weird lipstick and everything I remember mm. yeah yep. he doesn't need to sparkle but he might need lipstick I think he sparkles all on his own Aww. Aww. So, so this is in part inspired by the fact that they've cancelled one of my new favourite shows um, and also because it fits in with the broader discussion we're having here about what is science fiction, how do we how do we define that um, and where do we have the line of creation when it's such a clearly collaborative um, process. We've mentioned this before, the, the novel, although there is a level of collaboration in any novel, um, it has still got a single or however many authors feel that they contributed to that. But with a TV show or a game, it gets really, really complicated really quickly. It really does. And there's so many. I, mean, I And I think that it's worthwhile that on, on your reviews, you've been putting on the films the other prominent roles on them that, that women fill. And so it's starting to highlight these these undiscovered or invisible producers uh, of these pieces because those roles are really really important and they can they can add they can subtract they can really influence the work and so it's you know it's like the choice of a particular actor is huge um you know choosing what was it Norman Reedus for for Walking Dead there wasn't even a role mm. for him until they saw him and then they were like <laughs> yeah, we they made one make a role uh you know and so it's things like that that can that can really influence stuff and I think that um in particular I mean Allison uh Allison what's her last name on emergence Allison Tolman on emergence is such a brilliant choice because you buy her as the sheriff. You buy her as the mother. Uh, you she has a really her... good presence. Absolutely, and and you just you you completely buy into the, that moment when she has the option to delete the programming and and reboot it and erase this person. I'm trying not to give too many spoilers, but I'm like we're gonna have to put this contains spoilers. Everything's at the beginning. gonna have spoilers. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, when she makes that choice and I'm sort of sitting there, I'm kind of with the computer programmer going, well, we'll reboot her, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be like, she has amnesia. And then when she's like, no, it erases the person. And I went, Mm. oh, oh yeah, you're a better person than I am. And you're a better mom. And okay. Yeah. That's the right choice. Um, it's when she sees that connection with her own child and then mm-hmm. sort of like I, I think that sort of connection to the the daughter is really interesting as well in terms of her wanting that connection to women and what she feels she's lost through the divorce of her pa- separation of her parents um it's it adds those sort of layers to those those characters um and the, the fact that the main characters are women 
and that those core relationships are daughter, father, daughter, mother, mother, whatever, Piper is. (laughs) I think it does highlight, though, if you... If that were a show where the central character, that figure that Alison Tolman plays, were, were, you know, a man, it would be completely different uh, for me because we don't, as a culture, we don't have the same perception of, we see fathers as protectors. So the yeah. the sheriff role would be yes. I mean, I mean, look at like Stranger Things, where David Harbor is this very protective, and he becomes a father figure for Eleven, but it's almost combative with her, right? He becomes her jailer. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's only through the evolution of that relationship and her understanding, and yeah, yeah, and it's it is a very different feeling from that of Alison Tolman taking in this this AI sentient being as as a mother figure it's and whether it's in the writing whether it's intentional or not it's far more warm and family feeling you know the child isn't she's never kept prisoner for one thing even though she herself is is dangerous and and the dad tries to keep her away uh keep the daughter away for safety once that yeah brick goes flying um but she's never kept prisoner like 11 is in stranger things no she's this idea of being an experiment and not wanting so i've been watching roswell recently uh as well which is another one okay we're gonna have to have a lesson on how to say roswell roswell yes why not roswell because we don't say it that way Fine, say Coventry. <laughs> I say Coventry wrong on purpose because it's uh, I've been watching The Order and The Order, the, the character from the Netflix series The Order and the first series is called Coventry and every time they say Coventry it just drives me nuts. Um, but I mean Roswell, so, I'm, Roswell, I'm from like two hours from there which if you know the area is really close, it's the next closest town. Um, and no one says Roswell. Fine. No one. Also, we all have very much hick West Texas accents. And so it's, it grates on me a little bit, but at least the actors could say the name of the freaking town correctly. Maybe they'll get it eventually. Maybe I mean, they will. I can't remember what my point for was Roswell well, was because you I interrupted corrected you. my... Yeah, story of our life together. Yes. Uh, we forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, we did. Cool. Um, we were talking about emergence, which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women directors. Yeah. Yay, no. women creators. Because <laughs> I was going to also mention diverse is pretty fun. Yes, and the fact that they've rewritten they've in the adaptation they've gone back to the characters being, um. Hispanic, Latinx, rather than um, white, as they were in the yeah. Catherine Heigl. That, for me, in Roswell, was... Um, it's so nice, because I am so sick of seeing New Mexico presented, which, for everybody who's listening, I'm from New Mexico. Um, I'm very tired of seeing New Mexico presented as white. as And I'm like, it's a third white. It's a third of New Mexico's white, a third, of, you know, 
okay, maybe 60% of New Mexico is Hispanic and the rest are Native American. And those, the, the people of color there get completely uh, erased from, you know, you look at Thor and that bizarre town that they created for oh, Thor yeah, to, that? <laughs> to destroy. And I'm like, uh, where are all the Mexicans at? Because in that area, you're mostly talking about, you know, Mexican immigrants, Hispanics, which are, are two very different groups, by the way. Um, and, and I'm like, no, this isn't a lot of the farmers around there are going to be, you know, of different heritage. And it drives me nuts. So it was really nice to see the mix of Spanish and English and and uh, her dad who runs the diner um, that he's he's um, undocumented and she's worried about that. So she's a she's essentially she's a dreamer. Um, and I think that that's really, really cool stuff. And again, that's another one that has got um, a woman in charge of the show and a lot of the writing and, and directing is not entirely women, but definitely has got some women in there rather than sort of um, all men uh, directing the individual episodes because that was something interesting that Jessica Jones did as I remember it being quite a big deal that the entire of the the second series every single episode is directed by a woman um, and that was one of the first that. sort of like serial shows to have um, make that move to an all woman sort of crew for well not crew but all woman sort of element of that particular production yeah. um, and that's what makes Vagrant Queen exciting but also sadly unique is that it it is actually almost exclusively women i don't know what their crew makeup is on the ground but i know that every episode has got women writers every episode has been directed by um a set of different uh, women directors who have experience of working in science fiction a lot of the time as well um so it's not only a show that's been cancelled that's created by women but actually has women through that whole spectrum of creation right and what i love about vagrant queen too is that i mean i read a lot of ya because i think that ya is a hotbed right now for emerging sci-fi uh and it's very dominated by women authors which i i gravitate toward because i'm i'm just real sick of white men writing stuff um, I'm tired of, 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 okay, you know, a female character thinking about how her boobs look in every top or, you know, that sort Although of thing. Although I greatly appreciate the, the Twitter accounts that sort of, um, are all sort of like <laughs> yeah. men writing when, women when badly. When men write women. Just... <laughs> I'm just like, nope. Um, That's nothing that ever happens. So you. what I love about Vagrant Queen that it avoids is that, that horrific, uh, love triangle trope that that it's like it's formula now for female-led science fiction to involve this really annoying love triangle and i love that the one like absolutely beautiful man who is in every episode which is tim rosen um he's pining for his wife back home on earth and so like it completely precludes this entire notion of uh, a love triangle between him and the other characters, the love triangle is is gone from Vagrant Queen. It's not even there, and it's so refreshing. Uh, 
And it's just the man is just there to be pretty. <laughs> he has to be he's pretty, pretty and, and he's he screams the... a lot. Yes. <laughs> he has to um, be saved a lot. <laughs> his story is about getting back to his wife and child. And child. Yep. Um, which is really unusual. Um and what the thing I said before we cut off was um that it's a her story, although there is an element of trauma to it. It doesn't feel like it's female trauma in the same way that guides that particular story. Yes, she loses her mother and she believes that her mother is dead. Spoilers. But her story of scavenging is not driven by that. She's not yeah. in a vengeance narrative. She's not in a sort of like rape revenge yeah. loop or anything like that. It's, yes, her mother dies. Yes, that makes her sad. That's part of what creates that character. It's part of her backstory. But it's not what drives the narrative a long part of the series it comes back in but not it's not what underpins that whole character and that whole story it's a character who sort of goes well you know the royal the the royal family was overthrown i have no structure to return to this is my life now this is a life i can lead and and succeed at and you know continue to be me in and I don't have to, you know, go on this whole vengeance kick. Um, and it's only when so many lives are threatened by the outright villain of the piece, a very comedic villain. Uh, that... oh, he's so good, though. I love him as a villain. I just, and as he grows, and again, he, he has a backstory. He has growth. He has a story that, that sort of builds into that point. And his relationship with his father versus his relationship with his mother, I think there's some really interesting dynamics to what is a sort of quite campy sort of space opera sci-fi villain and that i think again really campy there are such echoes of fifth element yeah uh, i mean fifth element aesthetic really a lot uh but also farscape i get a lot of farscape from tim rosen's character that that john crichton influence of the the fish out of water and the the human who is, is has a stranger in a strange land into this uh alien landscape and is doing the best he can Uh, it's so alien as well that i saw i I posted a piece yesterday um which reviewed it for black girl nerds i think is the website um and they talk about is this sort of like neon world and yes it's this amazing sort of colorful vibrant space but at the same time you've got well thought through characters and a lead black queer woman. It just is a really, yeah, I'm really sad. Absolutely a brilliant (laughs) show. And I am also very sad. Also because I think she had a lot of echoes of one of my favorite shows, which is Killjoys. Uh, You know, she has a lot of echoes of Dutch uh, from that, where you have this very, like she's going to be the one to take everybody down. She's going to be the one that, that the, all the guys, girls, whatever, soldiers, that she's still going to top them all because of, not because she's, you know, born special or magical, but because she had all this training. Um, and so, and, and you've got this, this black, this black woman in the lead, black queer, although Dutch, I don't know if we, we would identify Dutch necessarily as queer. I think maybe if they the show had been able to go on for longer but the that they also treated a, a, 
a potential love triangle really, really in a, in a nice refreshing way there in that her relationship with Johnny Jacoby played by Aaron Ashmore um, is really, really close and intimate, but not at all sexual in nature. Like, if- I think being able to show those platonic relationships is really important. This idea in science fiction that women have this restricted position of being needing to be saved or being mm-hmm. a love interest or being someone's what well, it's the fridging idea where yeah the woman is sort of killed off to be a catalyst for a man's story right? you lose yeah. a lot the of the boys sort of we're tropes. talking about you uh <laughs> yeah so it's 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 so refreshing and and it's that perspective that you can get from a woman creator there both there and in vagrant queen uh, that you can have platonic relationships between men and women and men don't just see this amazingly beautiful, intelligent, awesome woman and go, I want to fuck her. <laughs> you know? that, that doesn't have to be the end all and be all of the whole thing. That's not um, a character. It, she, she can be more. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sort of like ask her more, expect more of your women mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, and even even once you she does have a you know in Killjoy she does have a love interest and it is a heterosexual love interest, uh, but even then, she's the more powerful partner, uh, and she saves him more than anything else. Uh, and it's it's just so nice to not have to be saved all the time, even though she has this sort of she has a very traumatizing background. Uh, it's and at one point like she literally has to battle davin her lover for her life he's had this military programming that gets switched on uh to to kill uh whatever he's nearest to and and it it turns on in sort of the most intimate moment and you know you're it's it's a beautiful beautiful fight of vulnerability because you've taken someone that you've just become vulnerable to and you're she's still undressed you know and all of a sudden he turns on her and she's got to fight him in her own home in her ship and fight for her life against him and it's so beautifully done Whereas you feel like in a lot of other pieces, it would have just been fight, fight, fight. Oh, look at skills, look at skills. But there's so much vulnerability in her. And yet she's still so tough. And it's one of the the scenes that has stuck with me the most because it represents so much about the relationship of women with men and how often, you know, you could read so much into just that one fight. I mean, you could write a book on that one fight and it's beautifully done. Uh, and I think that's the sensitivity that we get from having female characters created and framed and treated by women creators. And developed as well, because I think there's, especially if it's um, an adaptation to adapt a character. So um, Vagrant Queen is adapted from a vault comic book which is co-written by a man and a woman, and I've forgotten the woman's name, which is unfortunate. Passaggio is her surname. Um, And I think it's important that as an adaptation, it goes to 
a woman and, and a women writing team. So you're not simply transposing that sort of image into a show. You're also developing that character within a new medium, within something that is is beyond the the boundaries of the original media. Um, and I think there's some definite interest in terms of what she looks like, how she moves, how you compare that back to the source novel. Because we talked this about this a bit with Tank Girl and in terms of adaptation, that again is a graphic novel adaptation, but it's from, it's a very different process because it's from a male written comic book series. Yeah. Um, and Talele takes that particular character and, and does something different with it in a visual medium and, and that sort of tension between the original writers and um, the film is, is really interesting in terms of their version of Tank Girl versus, versus a version of Tank Girl that has been created, mediated and literally performed by a woman in a way that the comic book couldn't by its nature and by who it was created. So Magdalene Visaggio <laughs> wrote Magdalene, I was like, yeah, it was a beautiful name, but I couldn't remember <laughs> what it was. Because <laughs> um, she's been saying some interesting stuff again about the cancellation of Vagrant Queen in the sense that although she's sad that it's been cancelled, she's also super thrilled and pleased that her, a piece of her work was actually adapted um, and that she got to be part of that world of, of that sort of change and shift in science fiction television you know i love that we're seeing a lot more women-led comics uh and women written comics although i think i think it's worth acknowledging that a lot of the events of recent weeks have shown us just how far these fields have to go we're seeing more work by women and more work by by queer women and people of color uh you know looking at Magdalene Visaggio and Noelle Stevenson as examples uh, because it's it's a problematic industry much like the games industry is uh, and we've seen in the last few weeks how many people have come forward and said actually you know as a young writer as a young creator of comics I was harassed I was abused uh, and and we've seen a lot of high profile comics writers um, rightfully so brought down uh, as they should be for you know being massive douchebags um <laughs> sorry uh, i was like you're building up to a word and you've gone with douchebag. i just I <laughs> there's many words that i just non-humans i don't know men um so but it's where i think the wakowskis are really interesting because sensate has a production company created in order for that to be made. Um, there is a, a level of creation at that level of production that is necessary for a show like Sense8 to be made. So, and that's Lana and Lily Wachowski. And then the second season is produced by uh, Lana and her wife's production, Venus, Venus something productions. Um, again, can't remember the exact name. <laughs> Which is annoying because I just looked it up. Um, but again, as a and show the reason that... for everyone listening that we don't immediately look things up on our computers that you'll hear us tapping <laughs> on our keyboard. So that's why things are a little bit delayed. Um, yeah, I mean, and Sensei, absolutely. There's no way that gets created by any 
existing pitching that must i can't even imagine pitching right so there's eight people they're linked mentally and at various points they have sex with each other mentally what (laughs) these are amazing orgy sequences that you'll really you'll have to see it never mind i mean but this is the the discussion we have with evolution as well is that her um the woman whose name i'm not going to attempt to mangle for the that's the one um evolution as a film the reason it took so long to get it to the screen is because she didn't have a nice high concept explanation for that particular film it had to be she was trying to sell a sense experience and i feel like sense8 had that similar idea definitely more in a science fiction realm that we as a, a sort of viewing pair would recognize um and i spent in the same way that i eventually got into evolution sense8 was about the experience not necessarily the narrative for me and I was much more interested in the interactions between the characters, uh, their sense of self, that relationship between them, than the sort of overarching bad guy narrative that sort of links it all together. Yeah, I don't really even remember no, me that narrative. I can't. But I, what I do remember are the relationships and how those grow. And who knows? Probably someone's probably going to stereotype me as, as a woman audience member, and where the relationships are what's interesting to women, not the fight scenes. Blah blah. blah which for me is really true. I really hate fight scenes, and I really hate car chases. Um, Whereas I quite like a good fight scene. I was really <laughs> the like the closing, the last fight, big fight sequence in Vagrant Queen. Just to go back to that again is really visceral. It's comic booky and it's it's done with the bullet time and it, it fits into the aesthetic of the show. But oh, yeah. she Favorite still kicks queen. his ass. And, yeah. and he kicks her ass. I sort of, I like, that was why I think I got so into Buffy as a teenager was watching a woman get hit back in a way that was, showed parity and respect almost rather than... Yeah. Um, I can't hit a woman. That sort of narrative really irritates me. And I, I don't like watching women getting beaten up. But at the same time, I want my women, my women sort of heroes in those sort of narratives to be able to fight back and Absolutely. feel like they deserved the win. <laughs> Which I love because when I played rugby and we would uh, practice with our uh, brother team, as it were, and you'd throw guys and girls together... Uh, if you're playing touch rugby, the one you need to look out for that's going to hurt you is the girls. The guys are, <laughs> are easy to take down, but the girls, man, they will, they will get in at you. So was, when we did that, we did boxer size for a bit, but we did the actual boxing training rather than the dancing round bit. And <laughs> I remember when it got more popular and we had those like massive hulking guys come and join our group mm. and... Uh, the coach sort of going, no, 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 the girls are going to, they, they hit hard. Don't, don't sort of underestimate them and don't sort of, you'll hurt yourself if you don't hit them properly. And of course they did end up pulling things because they didn't hit as hard as they would if they were hitting mm-hmm. a guy. And then when I got to hit back, I wasn't going to hold back. I trained <laughs> to hit that hard and I was damn well going to hit that hard. Oh, um, I hitting those pads. That me too. Anyway, back to <laughs> science fiction TV. Um, we talked Emergence. We talked a little bit Killjoys. We've talked Vagrant Queen, Sense8. So what about um, 
I mean, we've got on our list a couple of series that are women created or women led that are from more of a comic book universe like Jessica Jones and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I've I've made my complaints about the fact that the Marvel movies and the comic book movies have sort of taken over as science fiction. If you actually search, you know, a science fiction category, say on Netflix, you're just going to get, you know, the 23 you Marvel, the Marvel movies. Yeah, you've got to sit through it. Like, if I wanted to watch the Marvel movies, I would watch the Marvel movies. Can I see some actual, you know, sci-fi and some standalone stuff and not remade stuff? No, heaven forbid. Um, and so... I think we've talked a little bit about the really sort of sketchy science of the comic book series and, and where they come from and whether we should actually classify these as SF. Yeah, because it's that it's me coming from having done projects and research on science communication and looking at how fiction communicates science. So for me, that definition of science fiction I still want to link it back into the science and because science communication is not always necessarily when it comes to movies about accurate science and picking apart whether something was beautifully uh, accurate because sometimes science is boring and I don't need to watch it all. Um, sometimes I want to see the processes of science. Sometimes I want someone to come in and go, oh my God, we fixed that thing. We It's done now and move on. Um, and... I'm interested, I think, in the way that the, the narratives and ideas of science come into those shows, even if they're not necessarily science fiction neatly as a genre piece. So I wrote about Jessica Jones in terms of the fact that they'd chosen to make that first series grounded in something that could be science. And I used my sarcastic bunny right. ears. You know, that sort of... The fact that the evil character Kilgrave's powers come from a sort of virus um I found really interesting and this idea of changing behaviors and then looking into that I was interested in, in whether that was actually possible and, and so for me that inspired me to go and look it up and learn a bit more about viruses and catching um a particular behavior or a particular um emotion is the way that it's done through the the series so I was really interested in that sort of um empath element as well um equally with I Zombie which is another is a woman co-creation um that's based on the development of a synthetic drink a synthetic um chemical that causes um the virus that causes that and then it's then passed on through a scratch it is a a viral parasitic um, thing that can be caught and transmitted, but it's that initial creation is through messing with nature. It's it, it fits into that for me. That's sort of one of those core ideas of of science fiction. But also the notion that you could ingest someone's brain and then sort of have their personality and their memories embody you. Yeah, it's super fantasy. That's... <laughs> No. Brain matter is not making it past digestive juices. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works at all. But again, I was interested in that because it had that base, but then it, it very much fits into that scientific marvelous sort of merging of the two. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of effort 
I think there, that uh, some creators sort of go, oh, we must give, give you some sort of effort to, to show that this is realistic, to show that this could possibly happen, or to, to give you some sort of explanation for things. And in some ways, for some stuff, I'm, I sort of wish they would just go, you know what, just accept it. It just, it just is. You know, the Groundhog Days, the Russian dolls, right? So there's the question of does that, that's a whole genre in and of itself now that that time loop notion and we've got a new adam sandler movie coming out soon that that takes it on you know has a different take on it mm -hmm. um but is that there's obviously no rational explanation for how that could be scientifically possible apart from short-term memory loss you know mm -hmm. you you think you're living the same day over and over but you're not so that's the 51st dates sort of yeah uh version of it but russian doll you know doesn't take that tack and groundhog day doesn't take that tack so are they science fiction are they a time loop fantasy are they uh yeah i wasn't like and that's where it comes to creating these lists has been really interesting it's like again as we said in the i think we said it in the first episode you're working with such a small body of texts of possible texts that you sort of start playing around with the rules in order so that it doesn't look quite so sad uh, that you don't have <laughs> more examples have, to pull we can count on two hands in the single digits the number of tv series creative science fiction tv series and then i didn't women. realize that westworld until quite recently and definitely altered carbon uh, which i do define as as definitely Absolutely as science, science fiction, fiction. Yeah. um i didn't realize that those had got women uh, creators behind it that there, there were so many women involved in the production of those particular shows even though with Westworld your main character um is for me a woman my main character would be I want to say Dorothy and her name is not Dorothy Doris isn't it Doris no Dolores Dolores good job everyone yes Dolores <laughs> <laughs> um well I always remember that it's doll and it's dolly and I, I I'm interested in like the uh. name but I can never remember what her actual name is I just remember thinking through it in terms of doll and dolly it rhymes with a woman's body part yeah <laughs> um you have lisa joy there as a, a creative voice executive producer created by um and she is going to be producing uh a movie as well which is coming out at some point reminiscence was slated to come out this year but we'll see what happens in the covid mess as oh. to what happens with um those types of science fiction content um i'm so close to running out of content it's not funny <laughs> what am i gonna do when i don't have any more tv shows to watch um so i thought with westworld again that's another one it's still on tv that's great but how much of it i know and the nolan connection and the fact that it's brother of and I didn't necessarily know that Lisa Joy was involved. Similarly with Altered Carbon, it wasn't until I had a student write part of their dissertation um, on serial science fiction on Netflix that I found out or realised that Altered Carbon does have a woman creator behind it and she is heavily involved in it. Um, I would really be interested in... So Altered Carbon 
even though there's the woman creating the television series, the book was written by a man. Yeah. Whereas with The Hundred, the books were written by a woman and the television series created by a man. Yeah, I'd love I to have seen love The Hundred. To compare those differences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, Clark in The Hundred is defined. I mean, it's just it almost feels secondary the, her leadership faculties are secondary to her love interests with the various people. I mean, yes, there's queer representation there, but she's having sex all over the place. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, really? And the motherhood thing with her, it, it feels tacked on sometimes. Um, and it it is a departure. the 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 television series of the Hundred is a departure from the book, just like Altered Carbon departs yeah. from the book. Because uh, I didn't, I, I have, I admit, I haven't read the. I've watched all of the Hundred, but I haven't read the original novel, and I didn't know that it was written by a woman, and that makes me want to read it. Um, but as you know, when Altered Carbon came out, I I listened to the audiobooks of Altered Carbon. I didn't get through the whole of the first book. I didn't cope particularly well with the way it speaks about women and I think some of that was to do with the fact that I'd already been introduced to Poe the hotel AI character um, not realizing that he was not or that was not they were not part of the novel so um, for those of you who don't know Altered Carbon um, it's sort of a dystopian noir future set piece where um people can essentially live forever because all of their identity memories and experiences are saved onto a uh, chip, which is called a stack um, and stacks can be re-implanted into new um, bodies. So there's sort of sleeves, sleeves. There are different, um, lots of different ideas and issues built into that in terms of gender and race and identity and literally being able to choose and change your body. Um, But one of the, the changes from the novel was to change the hotel so he wants to stay at um a hotel which are ai um and in the novel it's called the hendrix and it's all based and themed around Jimi hendrix the musician uh hendrix wouldn't the hendrix estate wouldn't give them the rights for that um but the thing that i remember most about hotel in the novel was the description of the fact that it shifts into a blonde woman. It reads um, Kovac's um, preferences as a as of a hotel mediator and he ends up with a 30-year-old blonde woman with big boobs. And that's what yes. I remember about that. And I, I, I think that's where I started to get lost in that particular narrative because of their way. And that's where I'm like, nope, life is too short for crap books. <laughs> Whereas and I'm out. with the Nevermore and Poe, I was totally sold on that character and that sort of gothic, the gothic aesthetic that fitted into this world so perfectly. And as a character that connects with the young traumatized girl character. And again, relationships that can be deep and intimate without being sexual. Uh, Because we first get this notion of Poe as he, you know, he's an AI and he's designed to be a hotel. So he's designed to cater to your every whim and need. Um, But he's he's a representation of Edgar Allan Poe, right? Um, And so he's just, he's actually presented as this very needy, clingy figure who's trying his hardest to support Kovacs. 
That's the um, hotel is these like stalkery type characters yeah. because they need to serve people. Uh-huh. They need to be and actually they're used. obsolete. They've they're they're outdated and no one stays in AI hotels anymore. Um, maybe because of that. And so there's that intimate relationship. There's the intimate relationship that he develops with the girl, uh, in that he he nurses her back to health and gives her strength and training. Again, she becomes a badass because of her training and and that sort of thing. And none of it is is sexual, uh, which is such a relief. They combine some of the women characters and create these more. Uh, Kel is a, a combination of, of, of multiple characters, as is Ortega in the first series. You get these sort of women characters, again, who are complex and difficult and interesting, um, but not necessarily secondary to Kovac, because that's what makes Kovac interesting for me, is he is this man in the shell of someone else that has a whole baggage that comes with it. These sort of like layers to that character are particularly interesting. Um but I think the women characters <laughs> and Poe are the ones that I connected with. I still wish they had they had reversed the actor choice there, though. I wish that the actor playing his actual body before he died was the main and the... You know, basically, they whitewashed uh, an Asian uh, character. character. Uh, and and so Kovac, the the character, in flashbacks we see him in his original body, and he's Asian, uh, and he's beautiful. And he's still called Takeshi uh, when he's Takeshi sort of, Kovac. Yeah, it's this sort of again. Um, he's Polish. His father was Polish. His mother was Japanese. Is that the background remember. of the character? I think. And so I, I love that, but he gets placed in a. a you know, a white man sleeve, very reminiscent of like a Dolph Lundgren type. <laughs> and it's it's one of the reasons that for so long I resisted, like I didn't watch Altered Carbon on Netflix, even though it kept recommending it to me for ages, because all I saw was, oh good, another story about a white dude. And then I actually tried, you know, I knew it was a book first and I always kind of try to read the books first when that I That wasn't a good place to start. <laughs> it was not. So I read like three chapters and went, oh, hells no. Mm-hmm. And and didn't watch it until you said, oh, it's it's good. It's created, you know, um, you should try watching it. It's actually, you know, it's got good. And again, I, did, but I didn't know that it was a woman creator until yeah. really recently. Um, well, it's, it's like... In- um, I've been watching another life and I desperately wish that it were a woman creator mm. uh, so that we could talk about it more because <laughs> Katie Sackoff's because in it. it's, it's Katie Sackoff and <laughs> she is my sole actress. Um, and it's actually amazing in terms of representation. Uh, it's the, the doctor on the ship is queer uh, is not, is an NB is non-binary uh the there are queer relationships there are uh everything is dominated by women uh most of the crew members on the ship are women the main character's a woman um and she is katie sackoff is as badass as we're used to her seeing if it, it takes four it'll take four guys to bring her down and then you're really not gonna bring her down um <laughs> and she's amazing and I desperately want that, you know, it, it feels like, at least so far, I mean, we're not as deep into it as we, we would be with, like, Killjoys or something like that. But, you know, a, a lot of her trauma is about 
leaving her family behind so that she can go on this mission, this space mission to uh, another planet. And, um, you know, we get to see vulnerability and relationships form in these crew members that in a lot of places we wouldn't normally with. I, I, I'd be interested in looking at the creator of that and to see whether he's, you know, your typical sort of Hollywood whatever or if there's a like a, a wachowski type history there where he's actually queer or something like that where love a dick he's a yeah <laughs> so yeah and I'm, I'm not against like watching science fiction shows that are created by men obviously so much of my history of science fiction and my engagement with that genre is based around narratives and histories and stories that were written by male uh, science fiction writers or writers content. well i don't have much content to pick from especially when in the last season you've cancelled the only two shows that were new to the books that were come on y'all. entirely written and created by um women so uh, my roundup from this episode is please if you have it in your hearts please save vagrant queen someone else yes, should yes. pick it up please please let us have a second series let us find Netflix, a may please amazon somebody's got to pick up Vagrant um, queen Emergence, similarly, it was too clever and too well put together and written and paced not for us to see what happens with those particular characters. I haven't quite got to the end of Emergence yet. We've still got a few episodes in the UK to go, so no spoilers for that ending. Um, But Vagrant Queen came to an end about two, three weeks ago here, so we've seen the end of that, and I was just not prepared for that to be my final episode. I was like, no, 10? They just did 10 and now it's been cancelled? So... Mm -hmm. Save Fragrant Queen. Save Fragrant Queen.